Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. continuing on in our series in financial fitness. And right now, if you were to Google, how do I get into shape, right? Physical shape. There is so much information that you could find and you've tried some of it. You've tried it. You, you've cut carbs. You've tracked macros. You've done something, something. You've become vegan, pescatarian. You've done something because you know you want to always look better. And then there's a diet and there's also exercise. You know, you've, you've bought a Peloton, or you started walking, or you joined a, you joined a gym, or, or at least you tithe to a gym, or you give your money. <laughs> something's happening, something's happening in your mind when you think, I wanna get in shape. You know, I gotta rethink my diet, I gotta rethink exercise. And, and at the end of the day, you just wanna look better. You want people to notice that you look better. And the challenge that we have when it comes to finances is that you can be in total financial chaos, but you can look good. If you go to the right restaurants, if you buy the right shoes, if you buy the right phone, if you go on the right vacations, you can look like you are financially strong. All the while, you are totally out of shape in your budget. And so that's the challenge that we have before us. And what we've wanted to do is just like we know the basic principles of getting into physical shape, diet and exercise, we want to create some basic principles of getting into financial shape. Because the last thing we want for you is that you look good financially, but you are in utter ruin and total chaos. So what we've tried to do is we've tried to establish some rules some principles. The first thing we said was follow the money. You actually have to look at what you have in there. I know sometimes it feels like it's like this bright light looking at the ledger, praise the Lord, but sometimes we have to actually look and some of us need some kind of tracking and you need to know exactly where your money has been going. Just like a good GPS, the first thing it asks you is where are you and then it asks where would you like to go? Well, we have to be honest about where we are. We have to create some kind of awareness around our finances. So the second thing is, we have to know where we wanna go, and so we ask ourselves, what is the goal of our finances as a child of God, what's the goal? And so our second rule was honor God. We don't wanna presume that giving to a church 10% is the only goal that God has. Actually, if God has given us all of it, then he wants to be honored by all of it. That does not mean we give it all to a church. What it means is every decision I make should honor God with my wealth because he gave it all to me. So the second rule was to honor God. But the third rule today that we wanna talk about is to fight to stay out of debt. To fight to stay out of debt. You know, the the challenge that we have is really the imagery of fighting because we are always offered an opportunity to have an immediate increase in our standard of living. An immediate increase. So, did you know that your income and your standard of living are two different things? Some of y'all know that, praise the Lord. Did you know, did you know, this is new information, 
that there are people who have a high income and a high standard of living. And then there are people who have a moderate income and a moderate standard of living. Then there are people who have a low income and a low standard of living. But did you know, this is new information for some of you, did you know that there are some people with a low income but a high standard of living? Did you know that? Now watch this. And then there are people who might have snuck in here today who have a moderate income with a lowercase m, praise the Lord, moderate income with a high standard of living. And the reason why we feel the need to have a high standard of living is perceived value. That if I wear the right things, I am more valuable. And much of us, much of the challenges that we faced even growing up, you know, we, we faced this challenge when our, when our kids went to school. When I was growing up, you know, Jordans just first came out. So, you know, my mom was like, my mom saw three digits attached to something for your feet and was like, you must be crazy. So we tried that with our kids, like, no. And the, I mean, the emotional trauma they went through, like, we have to go to school and not have J's on. And it was all like this perception. And so we felt the pressure. We withstood, praise God. But we felt the pressure because everyone around us was almost like, you should reach this standard of living. And so for all of us, we are fighting the battle of not having a fake standard and to actually live within our means. That is a fight. To live based upon your actual income, not your perceived standard of living, is a fight. And so debt is fundamentally not about overspending. Debt is about contentment. To live based upon my means and to just fight to not want more. There, there was a man once in the Bible who came to Jesus and what he said was, Jesus, I have got an inheritance that my brother is keeping, divide it amongst us. And getting your inheritance from a family member, there's nothing illegal about that. There's actually nothing wrong that he asked Jesus to do that. But Jesus says something to him that I think is akin to us talking about fighting, fighting to stay out of debt. He says in, verse, uh, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. Not even when one is affluent does his life consist of his possessions. I want you to notice several things there. The first thing is Jesus says, beware. That means be on the lookout. The second thing he says, be on guard. That means something's gonna come towards you. And then the third thing he says is, there are a variety of forms of greed, i.e. wanting more than what you need. It comes in different shapes and sizes. It sneaks into your timeline and into your mind, into your Amazon cart, where you're constantly thinking, I should have this when you don't need it. And what Jesus says here is, beware, be on guard. Even though, yes, you should want that inheritance, be careful of what's happening in your heart because there's something inside of you that's always going to want more. And then lastly, Jesus says here, when one is affluent, if you even are affluent, your life does not consist of possessions. 
A higher standard of living does not equate to a higher quality of life. Now, you already know that. You already know that people who have a lot of money aren't the happiest people. You already know that. You already know the people that drive the best cars, the people that have the best vacations, are not the people that have the happiest life. And so what's actually being sold to you when it comes to debt isn't the possession, it's the perception. It's the perception, my life will be better if I had this. And debt says you can. What do you mean staycation? You can go to France with debt. What do you mean you're eating in? You can go out with debt. What kind of car are you driving? That? Shoot, you can have something better with debt. Debt is always offering you an immediate increase in your standard of living, but it's offering you a false promise of contentment. It's offering you false joy and false peace. And this is why this is actually not a financial battle purely. It is a spiritual one because it is a possession saying, I'll give you the peace you're missing. It's a vacation saying, I'll give you the joy you're missing. It's a restaurant saying, I will give you the community that you need. When in reality, God offers the very thing that possession is offering you and that possession can actually end up possessing you. And so debt here must be understood as a spiritual battle that we are fighting a false promise that we don't want to buy into. So what we want to look at is not only the false promise of debt, but we want to see, well, what is the goal that God would have that, why does he want me to avoid debt so much? And I want you to know that God wants you to live a blessed life. And when we are people that avoid debt, but actually end up being generous people, God offer his blessing over your life. That was the goal for Israel. When you, the, the passage that I wanna look at in Deuteronomy 28 is a passage that paints a picture of how God made promises. God would give conditional promises. These conditional promises were based upon obedience. And if they were obedient, your land would be blessed, your crops would be blessed, your family would be blessed, your life would be blessed. And when we say blessing, we are just saying the favor of God, the hand of God is on your life. And so think about that. God offers them blessing, but there's a condition before it. And one sign of God's blessing that's listed in Deuteronomy was that you would lend money but not have to borrow it. God wanted his people to be like him. One of the ways to honor God is to be like him. He is generous. And he wanted his people to be a generous people. So Deuteronomy 28, and again, you could look back at the entire list of things that the Lord names off in Deuteronomy 28. But in Deuteronomy 28, verse 12, look at this here with me. It says, the Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. Watch this. And you shall lend to many nations. 
but you shall not borrow. Would you say that with me? But you shall not borrow. Say that one more time. But you shall not borrow. Listen. God is saying, I will provide what you need. Your land, I'll take care of it. Your hands, I'll take care of it. Your life, I'll take care of it. And I will be your provider. So much so that you could provide for other people. But a picture of having a lack of blessing would be going to other nations because you don't have the money. This is an old thought Borrowing money used to be a sign that you were poor. It was an indication, I don't have money. And in light of that, the Lord is saying, why borrow money when I'm your provider? Now, again, I'm talking primarily about consumer debt. I understand if you want to get an education in this world, you're probably going to have to go into some kind of debt. So that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about school debt. We're talking about consumer debt that's constantly around us. You see, when you, back in the day, if you wanted to get a washing machine and you couldn't afford it, what you would do is they'd put it on layaway. Now, let me tell you about the layaway ministry. <laughs> what happened with layaway is they, you would put money down and then you would pay in installments and they would put it in the back and keep it for you, and, but it was conditional. You'll get this washing machine when you finish the payments. And debt is the opposite promise. You, they roll it out for you right there and say, you can have this right now even though your payments aren't finished. And what ends up happening is we used to do layaway with big things that were of great value. But now, because of debt, we buy things we can't find in three months. And they're called, why'd I buy that? <laughs> you, just, you just open up something, you know, you bought, I bought these headphones one time, but they were for you to go to sleep, and they were like this thing to wrap around your head, and it looked crazy, but it made sense because the marketing was amazing, and I bought it, and you know what it became? Why'd I buy that? Why'd I, why'd I buy that? And, and you know what? The more debt that's offered to you, you can have a bevy of what I buy that. And your whole house, you, and you'll forget about things you bought. That means it was something you didn't need. But it was something you wanted to have. But with money you didn't have. Let me say that one more time. You bought something you didn't need with money you didn't have. But you really didn't even need to have it. So this and now I'm not going to make marketing out to be the devil. But the goal of marketing is to create urgency around something you were once ignoring. A year ago, you weren't even thinking about that thing. Now you're like, I got, how would I live? <laughs> so one of the things that we have to understand is God's goal is that we would be blessed and generous, but he's also trying to keep us out of bondage. Because when you borrow money, you have to understand there is another transaction happening. It is not the, just that you are acquiring some kind of commodity. You are actually giving power to someone when you owe them money. The Bible says it this way. 
Proverbs 22 and 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now, this is actually indicative of a time when you would actually lend yourself out because you were indebted to a, 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 some kind of business owner or some kind of landowner, but the imagery is still true today that whenever someone offers you money and says, I want you to pay it back, there is an immediate exchange of power and control. And the thing is, is that we borrow to the level at which we can just tell ourselves, well, it's not real. It's not real because, you know, this is, you know, this is some, you know, this is a car. And we kind of move ourselves away from the fact that this is actually somebody else's money. But I remember in college when I was broke and I let somebody borrow $5, that completely changed our relationship. Because I would see, remember the $5 footlong? I would see somebody eating a $5 footlong and I'd be like, man, that's my sandwich. Because you owe me money. And when I see people doing things with money when they owe me money, I can't have full relationship with them. It becomes awkward. In addition to that, one of the things I tell couples when they get married, be very careful who wants to give you a lot of money during your wedding or your engagement. Because it's, some people don't just want to bless you, some people want power. Some people want to be a part of your decision making. So there's an immediate exchange that happens. So when he says the borrower will serve the lender, what he's saying is there is an, an intrinsic control that happens when you take money from people. There's a level of mastery and power that they have over you. They control you. Visa controls you. MasterCard controls you. All the different ways that they've said, well, only just pay down and you can pay all these payments, they control you. Or you can attempt to avoid them. You see, the other reason why the Lord is so passionate about debt is not just that the Lord would want no other master over you, but there's also this understanding that debt has something to say about our character. Oftentimes we are in debt because we lack self-control. We have these perceived needs and when you are impulsive, when you're living impulsively to buy things that, that seem like a need, but you, if you had just waited and thought about it, if you had just taken a second to really consider your budget, to consider your goals even, you would say no to the thing that that marketer and that person is begging you to say yes to. Proverbs 25 and 28 says it this way. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Now, the, the imagery there is, if there is a city that's been broken into, that's one thing. But if the walls have been burned down and broken down, that means they have no protection from the next enemy. And what the scripture is talking about is when you begin to live on that first impulse of, I've got to get that now, it breeds more impulsive. And you become an impulsive shopper and spender. And you have no protection against who? You. 
Your walls are down. You have no protection. You have no boundaries. You have no financial wisdom that you're operating by. The only wisdom that you're operating by is that would be nice. I do need that. I've been working hard. I sure do need a... Man, that does seem nice. And that impulsivity is indication that you have a lack of discipline and you're saying to yourself, I have to have it. But needing it is based upon someone controlling you. There was a time when we would want things and we would save up to get them. But that would take time and patience. But because of everyone around us being able to get things and do things, we want to keep up with everyone. And it kills our budgets, but it makes us look more valuable. And so we buy and we're constantly in debt. And here's the wildest thing about it all. God's desire for us has always been that we would be blessed. And an aspect of blessing is having things. I'm blessed to have a family. I'm blessed to have an apartment. I'm blessed to have my friendships. I'm blessed to be able to go on vacation. I'm blessed to be able to have the shoes I have. I'm blessed to be able to have the clothes I have. That is a blessing. But in many ways, we've bought into a prosperity-minded thinking that blessing is only what I get. Blessing is only what I can show off. And here's, here's, here's a word from the Lord. Watch this. Listen. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So is it a blessing, is it a blessing to receive? Yes. Is it a blessing to get that house? Yes. When I first got my house, I, t I brought it up in conversation. Nobody was even asking me about houses. I was like, man, man, it's cold outside. Would be nice to have a house. Did you know I got a house? I brought it up out of nowhere. I was so proud of myself to get a house. And when you get things, it is a blessing. You should feel blessed. But did you know there's a life of more blessed? And Jesus says, do you want to be more blessed? Now, why does God offer more blessing to giving and not just receiving? Because when you receive his blessing, you are indicating you are his child and you are receiving the blessing of God, the favor of God, the relationship with God. But when you offer blessing to other people, and you support them, you are not only showing you are his child, you are showing you are his servant. And you are doing the things that he would do because guess what? It's not he's not asking us to be generous. He's, he's saying be like me because I am generous. How many breaths of air did you take today? You don't know. He generously offered us oxygen. How many heartbeats have you had today? You don't know because he's offered us every heartbeat. How many days have you been alive? How many lifespans can we have in terms of this life? Like how many seasons have you been through? God has offered you peace and joy and blessing and God feels robbed when you need possessions to give you joy when he offers that to you. 
And what he wants, what he wants, why he talks about the fruit of the Spirit is God wants to give you joy, but he wants to give you joy that overflows to other people. That others would experience the joy and peace and love of God. Yes, it's blessed to receive. What a mighty offer God gives us to receive. But it is more blessed to give than to receive. The vision of generosity, vision of generosity may have been cut off in your life. Maybe you saw family members being praised because they bought a house. Maybe you saw family members being praised because they were able to buy a car. Maybe you've seen that praise and then you've thought to yourself, man, that's what it means to be successful in this world. That's what it means to be blessed. But there are people right now in the community surrounding you that are in deep need, not just financially, emotionally, socially, and we want to offer people our care and love, but it's also that we would be generous financially. And it's sad. I put this quote up here. It's sad when you can't give more to people in need because you owe on things you don't need. That's just sad. Do you understand that there are people that literally are begging and figuring out their next step and you literally bought something for $30, $40 that, was, that is going to be meaningless to you in a month. Meaningless to you. It's sad. But it's also not God's heart. So much of this is spiritual because it's transforming how you see your life. Because far too often our lives have been seen by getting more, doing more, getting the best, receiving the best. And God wants you to live an abundant life where you can overflow in that and, and the vision of abundance has never been casted to us financially. The vision is to constantly get more, but not actually be generous. And so God nudges on you. He says, man, you could give. You could give to the church. There are people you could offer to. You could give. God nudges on you to give, but Visa nudges on you to pay. And Visa wins. Debt wins. Because that debt will always be there constantly surrounding you. So generosity takes some level of margin. It takes a level of you being able to have some freedom in your budget. And so today, I, I, the encouragement was to fight debt. But really we see that there's a fight that's much more spiritual. It is a fight for contentment. It is a fight to live on the income I actually have. For some of us, this will be a long journey of getting back to how you believe God has called you to live, to getting out of debt. But in this journey and in this fight, there's so much grace. There's so much grace. 
If you try to open up your budget and see the crazy things you've been spending on and you see God looking over you like a judge, you'll never open up that budget again. You'll be winking at it like, oh, I know I shouldn't have. But if you know that the graceful God that offered his son for us looks at that budget with you and he goes, I know. I know. I know you've been spending on things you had no business spending on. Maybe you're years away. Maybe you're a decade away. But the same God that accepted you where you were spiritually is the same God that accepts you where you are financially. He knew where you were when he first found you. He knew. He, there were no secrets. It's the same thing financially. There's no secrets. He knows where you are. But what's the goal? The goal is that you'd be a generous person, not a person who borrows, but a person who blesses, not a person who has finances at the center of your finances, it's me, but at the center of our finances is the Lord and his purposes. And his purposes are that one day we could be the kind of person that helps somebody, but isn't in the constant need to keep up with everyone else. And so I pray that blessing over you today that you would transform the way that you think about money. And if you hear this message, if you hear this message this morning, and you're thinking, how? How, how, how can I stop? How? The how can be worked on. Agree with God first. Agree with his word. Just acknowledge, it begins with confession. God, I have been spending on things that have nothing to do with your purpose and your plan. They are centered around me. Begin with confession and allow God to slowly walk you into a place of generosity so that you can be a blessing to the people around you. Let's pray. We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 10.30 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.